If you are listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, it means you are ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. That is why we invite industry experts onto this show so you can fill your mind with valuable information. We exist because we believe business owners are the real investors of the economy. Here's your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. I'm your host, Charles Schwen. This is episode number 66. Today, we have Renee Hasselding, and Renee is the founder of this wonderful company called Think Wrapped. And no, it's got nothing to do with rap. She's not going to tell, teach you or first starting raps. Well, not that I know of. Uh, think rap. It's not a hidden skill, I promise you. Maybe there's a hidden skill. Maybe it's coming up. We don't know. But rap is. I actually wish that would be cool. <laughs> that will be cool, right? That will be cool. You just burst only some rap lyrics and start freestyling, and people go, "Whoa!" But no, it's not about that. The so rap is spelled R-A-P-T, which we'll get to a little, a little bit later of, of, of what's it all about. So, Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Charles. It's great to be here. So, Renee, um, we we will talk a little bit about your business. Actually, actually, we will talk a, a lot about your business because I've seen you've have, you've had a a very interesting career and how it all weaved together. And one thing kept on sticking out over well, the theme, like when I when I look at your 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 profile, it, it comes up over and over again, which is coaching. But before I get to that, I always ask my my guests, and this is probably one of my favorite questions, you know. Growing up as children, we all had dreams. We all aspired to be something. What was yours growing up? See, I, I was not one of those kids who had like a really clear idea of what I wanted to be when I grew up. I grew up in a very um, entrepreneurial family. My dad was always running a, a business. Um, and so I was always in and out of the family business. So, you know, I lived in a pub for many years. Um, so, you know, I would be behind the bar before school pulling beers and then you know jumping on the tram and going to school so you know that's kind of my my childhood was um business was normal business was part of my daily life so yeah I think I mean I didn't really have an aspiration when I was finishing high school my number one preference for what I wanted to do at university was dental science but the only reason for that was because I thought I was going to make a lot of money as a dentist wow okay (laughs) but it wasn't because of an actual passion for teeth Uh there was no it was just like oh well I'll put that down then that look I'm so glad I didn't become a dentist I mean I'm so queasy I would have been the world's worst dentist like if I had to pull someone's tooth out there was blood I'd be freaking out I'd be fainting myself so no, absolutely, you know, man. I mean, my, my uncle is a dentist, and uh, I, I know, I mean, the dentists, they, they make a decent living, but I, I just look at him and how he's hunched over every day looking into somebody's mouth for like 20, 40 years. I just cannot imagine. Can imagine? No. And then, and, then, I, and then someone said to me that they actually have one of the highest suicide rates, and yes. I was like, okay. I'm glad you... Re- I'm glad you said it and not me because I knew of that, but I I didn't want to point that out. But yes, I mean, it's a public, it's, it's, it's a known fact, sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and at, that was before I kind of went on my own personal development journey and realized that money is not a great motivator to do any career or start any business. Mm. So, you know, that was a very naive teenage me that that's what I thought I wanted to do. And you know, I didn't get into dental science, so that was lucky. Yeah, I mean, you you study finance, and you 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 also have uh, studied a lot at NLP. And I, I remember hearing the story of yours. Um, I don't know what age this is or, or what stage of your life. So please uh, clarify. About you started a bar, 
uh, and this was early 2000s. And it's not just any bar, it's a vegan bar. And this was early, what, 2002, something like that? Yeah, I think it was like 2002. So yeah, I was in my 20s. So this is kind of like I'd been out of university. I'd been in the corporate world for a few years. And then I was like, I felt like I was a cage 10. I, I was not happy in that world. And I thought, right, I need to break free. What am I going to do? And I just kind of fell into, I was like, well, I'm fourth generation hospitality. I've grown up in hospitality businesses. That kind of seems like the natural, easy thing to do. And plus that's kind of like what my family does. And so that would be a great way for me to connect with them. You know, if I kind of look at the psychology behind why did I think I was going to do that? Um, so yeah, I opened a vegan bar and cafe, um, in a suburb that was kind of a, I was a little bit ahead of my time, one in terms of the vegan aspect and two in terms of the area because it was, you know, it wasn't really a thriving area in terms of a, a restaurant or cafe scene at that point in time. I was probably, if I was open there now as a vegan cafe, I would be like Coining rolling it. in the money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was 20 years ahead of my time. And, 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 what, and how, how, long, how long did the, the bar last and what happened to the bar? Because you, you say something about it was disastrous. So, so what happened? It was, it was an absolute disaster because one, I just, I was running away from my corporate job and I was running away from that world. So that, that was the problem as I was running away from something, not actually towards what I really wanted. Um, so that was part of the problem is, you know, I was doing, I was in it for all the wrong reasons. Then the other part of it being a disaster was I was in this personal development kind of mode and so people would come in and they'd want to drink coffee or alcohol and I'd be like well how about you have some water it's really good for you and then I'd be like talking by talking about a sales and just be like you know wanting to kind of talk about their lives and <laughs> did anybody share their lives did anybody share that? I, mean, oh, yeah, I mean we had regulars who were lovely absolutely lovely but, but think about it right I mean I mean it's it's all like hindsight 2020 like looking back at that time, you didn't know, but looking back now, you were actually putting some reps in, you know, the, 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 the 10,000 hour, it was natural because you weren't there in it for the money per se, but you actually wanted to find out what's going on with their life. And that's part of coaching. So you were instinctively, even though it was a wrong environment, because if I'm going to a restaurant and I'm about to order something and the waiter, or waitress or boss comes down and says, let's talk about your life and your uh, aspiration. I'll be like, huh? I'm here to order food. Right thing to do, wrong wrong location though. But hey, you you you. you... But, but it's funny that you. I'm just going to um, clarify something because you've mentioned that one thing that stood out in my bio or um, about me is coaching, and I I definitely don't call myself a coach, and I don't think of myself as a coach. Um, so yeah, I mean, yes, I have studied a lot of personal development, including NLP, but um, no, my my strength and my um, you know what I feel like my zone of genius is is in developing intellectual property definitely not coaching i'm actually not a very good coach at all because i'm too bossy <laughs> okay all right too so, impatient okay mistake mistake on my side mistake on my side it's no it's, no no it's, problem it's you know it's interesting that you got that impression from my from my bio but that's yeah doing. because i think I, I guess I guess the the reason why i picked it up is that the the sum of the organization you you've been part of and I see coaching, whether it's helping people to develop the IP or as me, helping people to, to make more sales or somebody helping people to do content. The, the job of a, of a coach is to help, like you 
need to, when you leave working with me, as an example, I want you to be at a better place. Mm. And you are essentially doing the same thing. People are coming to you. They have all these wonderful ideas, best kept secret. But when they leave, you give them, which is what we're going to be talking about soon about rap. Yeah. You help them leave better that they have something visual. They have something to show. So yes, that's, that's so maybe that's why. Yeah, I, I mean, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. But by that definition of coaching, I think, yes, you could consider me a coach. I kind of technically, like I was taught a very um, strict definition of coaching where it's like the client has all the answers and your job is just to ask powerful questions. But I, I, um, I definitely do more than that. I'm, I do more consulting and I actually give my clients more than that. Although, you know, I am molding the intellectual property in their brains. So, you know, mm. they do have all the answers and I'm just kind of putting a lens on it with visual models, I guess. So yeah, it is kind of, kind of like coaching in, in a sense. Yeah. Let's go with it. <laughs> Call me a coach if you want to, Charles. Call me whatever you want. All right. So, um, so I, I want to find out like you, you started, I mean, I lost count of how many, how many businesses you started and you also dabbled in, I, I suppose, dabble is the wrong word. You wrote for Huffington Post, even for, for, for like just over a year. And I read through some of those articles, which I quite, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You, 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 you wrote for Huffington Post and then you were on the board or part of the member. I don't know what the right word is for the, the brands, uh, Richard Branson. They have like a, like a research department. Oh, sorry, not Richard Branson. It's um, a Tony, uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Ah, uh, yeah. So I spent many years in, as a senior leader for, um, yeah, Robbins Research International. So that's, yeah, part of Tony Robbins' um, leadership team. Yeah. Absolutely. And then everything, it just kind of morphed. And then you you started, I mean, one of the, the first businesses you started was back in 2006 already. So, and then fast forward a few years, I think if I remember correctly, 20, I think rap started in 2014, but you had a name change. So the listeners are probably thinking about what is going on right now. Um, so they might be a little bit confused, but what I'm trying to say is uh, Renee is here uh, because I in recently enrolled in, in one of her, uh, her courses for Think Rap. And the, how I explain it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Renee, is people that come to you, first of all, they need to love what they do. Second of all, they need to already build up a, a fairly client base. So it can be either they've been around for two years, three years. It doesn't really matter as long as they've had at least 10 clients. And the reason why I picked that up is after 10 clients, you will start seeing patterns. You start to spot patterns. That's, that's, that's quite important. Otherwise, you're just thumb sucking. But what you do and what how people do, what I've experienced myself with a think wrapped is that a lot of times we communicate verbally, like what we're doing now verbally. And in your yes. mind, you might see an image, but I can't see what you see. So all you're doing with the think wrap is, bam, here's the picture. Do we see the same picture? And this is how it works, A, B, C, D. This is a journey that you're on, A, B, C, D. This is how we're going to work together. When we work together, this is what it looks like in an image that people yeah. don't have to guess. So that's just my experience of what the think wrap is all about. Um, did I capture it correctly? or? How far yes, yeah, that? absolutely. I mean, what we're just basically what we're tapping into by using visual models to communicate information in our businesses is our brains have evolved to understand visual information. So if you think about this, you know, go back <laughs> to early human beings, right? See lion, run, mm. right? 
we have our brains are programmed to act quickly when it comes to visual information. And so we're just tapping into that because the brain is dedicating more than 50% of its processing power to processing that visual. So if you're only speaking, if you're only telling your client something, they're going to remember about 10% of what you say in three days time. If you can give them a visual model, they're going to remember 65% of it in three days time. Like that's a lot better retention rate. That's a, that's a lot more likely that you are staying top of mind just by adding in four very powerful pictures to your messaging in your business. Now, I want to find out, how did you come to that uh, realization? Um, were you speaking to somebody? Were you one day drinking coffee or it just kind of a shower, a light bulb went off? How did you, I mean, every business idea started from somewhere. How did that genesis came yeah. about? It's, it's kind of a weird thing. It, it's kind of, you know, when I was, if we go back to the earlier question you asked me about, you know, what did you want to be when you grow up? I mean, nobody told me I could create visual models. That no, that was not a job title that kids were reeling off at school, right? I've made this job up. Um, but I guess, you know, how did I come up with it? Is It's the way my brain works because, um, the yeah, I, I'm, if, you know, if people kind of understand this, you have visual people, auditory people, kinesthetic people, and auditory digital people. I'm an auditory digital. So I need to understand things in my brain. And part of that is I'm not auditory at all. So what happens is if someone tells me something, I have to repeat it in my head to process it. I have to say it again to understand it on a deeper level. Like I can't just hear it coming in and then my, I don't know, my brain just has to say it again. Well, well just hold on, just hold on. So if I understood you correctly, let's, let's say one day your kid says, mommy, come and pick me up. You, you're not going to remember unless they show you a picture? No, I have to say again in my head, mommy, come and pick me up. I have to repeat what they said to me in my head to understand it. Is this with every single thing? Or is it just well, with like? I mean, little... I haven't analyzed my brain on every single word in every single day, but if I'm tra- if it's something that I really need to understand, I mean, maybe not mummy come and pick me up is probably not so much. But, you know, if, if someone is sharing a complex idea with me, then I need, yes, then I need to be what happening. What's happening is I'm repeating it, but I'm also filing it. If you can imagine, like inside my head is a room full of filing cabinets and I'm organizing the information going, oh, that thing they said first goes there, but then now they've gone over here and that's over here and that's over here. And then that connects to that. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Oh, now I see how it all fits together. And my brain just wants to organize the information. So if someone's doing a TED talk or if someone's, you know, just giving me verbal diarrhea about what it is they do in their business, I'm organizing that information Mm. into, into something that I can understand because my brain cannot cope with someone speaking at me for 10 minutes nonstop about something that I'm not an expert in. I need to, I need to simplify that down. It's just, I don't know. It's the way I just, I want to simplify the world. It makes me happy. I, I love it. I, I'm, I, I'm all for simplifying things. Like when I, when I work with clients, I always say to them, I prefer to make the complex simple, not the other way around. And, 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 and you're the same. Like instead of explaining yeah. uh, 10 pages, here's a picture. This is what I mean. Done. Like I've actually noticed that I I remember last year I was working with my designer and I was explaining, explaining, explaining. And he just said one simple thing. Can you draw it for me? That was it. Sure. I'll draw it for you. So going forward and I said to him, look, I can't draw to save my life. I I draw like stick man, but he said, it's fine. 
So once I draw that, he understood exactly what I was saying. And it, it is similar to what you do. So let's, let's, ex- yes. people are probably thinking like, what exactly is think rap? Um, so how I understood it and correct me if I'm wrong, right? The, the there's, there's four different level. The, the R stands for results, meaning like, if you work with me, Renee, this is what it looks like. Now, and the A stands I'll for- clar- I'll, clar- I'll clarify that. So the, res- the purpose of the results model is to demonstrate for your audience the gap between the results that they're currently getting and the results that they want. We want to see a gap because that gap, um, human nature says we want to close that gap. When I can see I'm over here and I want to be here, I want to close that gap as fast as I can. So um, yeah, the purpose of that results model is really to highlight that that gap so that we can motivate people to take some action. So that's a that's the first one. Okay. And the the answer, the 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 A stands for answer and answer would be answer this is what you have to, this is what you have to master. This is what you have to do to close that gap, whatever it is. Um, yes. And the the P stands for process, which stands for this is how we're going to work together. Step one, yep. step two, step three, step four. And that's right. And the T target, this is basically. In a way, I mean, how I set in my mind is the the, the end goal, the the few different. Yeah, exactly. The That's it's the benefits of working with you. It's by you know by working with you, this is what you get. You get this. You get this. You get this. Yes. And that's what you kind of want in your target model. So, so in essence, in ninety seconds, that was the think wrap uh, verbally, but you create this into an image. Why? And this is what I found very very attractive because every single year I try to learn a new skill so I can master it and. I've added this into my arsenal while busy adding it to my arsenal. And I can, I'm really looking forward to how people react to it. And, um, but I wanted to find out a little bit from you being business for like a long, 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 long time. And 21 years. Yeah, exactly. Don't look a day over 25. No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, go Google her. She's got like this bright smile, curly hair. She's just (laughs) full of energy. Um, (laughs) So a smiley face. So, but I wanted to find out from you, right? Like, I mean, a a lot of the, a lot of the things, there must be some trying times uh, starting your, starting your business. And um, if you think back out of the 20 years or 20 odd years, what was the most difficult business decision you had to make? And what was the outcome? I think the most difficult time was probably when I was running that vegan bar, like the realization. Wow. Yeah. Because it was the realization, like we invested money into setting this thing up and it was losing money every single day we opened. And that was a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) You know, it was really, um, for me, the big lesson was do your market research, Renee. Like just because because I'd I'd moved into the area. I'd recently bought my first house in that area. And I was I wanted to set it up because I had to drive 30 minutes to get a good coffee. And I was like, I'm not driving 30 minutes to get a good coffee. I'm gonna open a cafe here so I can get a good coffee. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see. I am one customer. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so it's the market that you learn a hard lesson at the, at the age 20 something, uh, which is do your market. Yes, because research. if you build it, they will not necessarily come. No, not at all. And, and you know what? That, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, that, that the, the, the line from the field of dreams, if, if the people often quote this, I've seen this many times, if you build it, they will come. 
but that's actually misquoted. In the movie, it actually says, if you build it, he will come. And it doesn't say who he is or she is, it just he will come. So in case, listeners, you want to use that quote, just remember that is the actual quote. If you build it, he will come, not they will come. Now, Well, I, there was a he that did come, so maybe it's true. Yeah. And he, will was a guy. and he will bring other tribes. <laughs> the tribe of a thousand. Um, he didn't bring. He didn't bring a tribe, but he brought ice cream. Okay, fair enough. So, so Renee, I want to find out from you. So, you mentioned that doing the market research, right? Because um, this is I can see looking back now, this is engraved into the model because the first thing you ask people there is do your market research, go on what I call the listening tour about finding out their pains. Okay, so that makes that makes perfect sense. And then when you start building your business, right? Like, like I'm talking about the Think Grab company. Um, who was a important hire, and why is it so? I would say that my most important hire was uh, Stevie Schaefer, who was with me for over seven years in the business, um, and he was he was with me through the ups and downs, knew the business inside out, was there with me the day I created the four model system, which. Before it was called Think Wrapped, before it was called the Wrap System, was called Sexy Models. We had a different acronym, <laughs> um, which we have rebranded since. Um, but you know, he was my most important hire um, because he took over a lot of the behind the scenes um, activities in the business, so that I could focus on um, what I do best, mm -hmm. and that made a huge difference to me. Um, and it was also great to not be on my own in the business. You know, I think anyone who's been a solopreneur will know that it can get pretty lonely. So yeah. Yeah. We, we, we work really well together and um, yeah, that was definitely my most significant hire. Awesome. Stevie, if you're listening to this, you can uh, share the tear because uh, that, <laughs> that is a very, very high compliment. I mean, if I work with Renee, she said that about me, like throughout the seven odd years, uh, you were there highs and lows. I'll probably share the tear. So well done, Stevie. Now, yeah, now yeah. with, with 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 every entrepreneur, the the business owner, there's some of the things they're good at. There's some of the things that they're just horrendous. So, I want to start off with uh, what do you dislike the most about what you do, and then what do you love the most about what you do? You're gonna be horrified. Really? Go for, <laughs> try me. Guess guess what my least favorite thing is? Uh, selling. Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. And why? And why is that? Uh, because at heart, what I love to do the most is create intellectual property. I love creating the assets. I love creating the IP. I love adding value and I love doing what I do well. Mm -hmm. Um, that bit fills my tank. I feel energized when I do it. I feel fantastic when I am what I'm not energized by, and this is like, it's funny because people assume that I'm very extroverted and therefore I would be energized by speaking to lots of people and doing sales, but I'm actually not. When I talk to lots of people, I get exhausted and I find it really difficult to, um, you know, if, if, I, if I have five sales calls in a day, I'm going to then go crash on my bed and nobody talk to me for the next three hours. Mm. You know, I find it... Um, yeah, it's just not my my personality style. You know, if you look at kind of if you, if you look at personalities, if you know like disc profiles or you know any of those kinds of things, I'm I'm not a I'm not the social one. I'm the 
my I'm very high D, which is like I just want to get stuff done and I want to get it done now. And mm-hmm. sales never happens on my timeline. It happens on their timeline and I don't like it. Mm. Okay. I want it done and I want it yesterday. Like I like doing stuff that I can tick off my box and it's done. It's mm. done once and I'm completely in control. I am a control freak and sales is not like that. Well, it, it takes a lot for, for, for somebody to, to admit that because even though you, you, you I mean, n- none of us as, as business owners are 10 out of 10 in every single skill, uh, yet you know that even though you don't like doing sales, it's, it's vital because without sales, without paying customers, you won't be here right now, right? You, you wrote a few books, you had to sell books, you had to promote it, you have to put out video, it's part of selling. It might go against your, 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 your uh, personality but sometimes it, it has to, I guess it's necessary evil, right? I mean, for, for, mm. for you to do that. And and I want to, there was something else that 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 you mentioned um, um, when I remember when I was reading your book is you mentioned this thing and I've been using it lately. And I've, I've noticed when I use this thing or use this, this phrase, people have a spark over their eye and that is leverage and loving it. So how I explain to people when they work with me or, or what whatever they they're looking for what they're trying to achieve is leveraging and loving it like what 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 that is and how that looks like and why it's important and mm. so in your words explain to people what does that mean leverage and loving it and why is it so yes. important yeah so for me the leveraged part is about making more money and working less um i want my business to support me and my lifestyle i have two children they're 11 and 12 years of age um, and a husband, and they're very important to me. And I don't want to be working 60 hours a week running a business and have no time or energy left for them. So being leveraged for me. So at the moment, I'm working about 12 hours a week and, um, you know, making more than enough money. You know, that's that's for me is leverage, right? Um, and the loving it bit is doing work that I love. Okay, so uh, not opening a bar because that's what my family does because I actually don't love doing that. Um, not coaching because I'm not really good at that. Um, <laughs> but actually creating visual models, which is something that I could do in my sleep because that's how my brain naturally wants to do things. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm passionate about it. Like if people haven't heard the passion in my voice, mm. maybe they can like have a look at the video and go, Hey, look how much red is in this woman. No, no, I so, am so, no, no her hands are flapping like crazy and her I think her face is turning red. She might be losing oxygen. So just take a few brief, deep breaths. Right now. You're getting overly excited now. <laughs> so, so basically, in essence, um, leverage and loving it is how I understood it is, first of all, you need to, you need to be doing the work that you love. Second of all, Absolutely. you want to make an impact in people's lives. And thirdly, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, it has to pay for life because life costs money. Basically, yeah, I mean, that- the thing is, yeah, I mean, if we don't make money, it's not sustainable. So even if I have the most, you know, best intentions to help a million people and I'm helping people every day and not making money, eventually I'm going to have to put food on the table. And so I'm going to have to stop doing that so that I can get a job and go put food on the table, right? It, for it to be sustainable, it has to be, it has to make money. It's just part of the process. It's the world we live in. No, absolutely. I always tell people if if your business is not making money, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. That's what hobbies is for. Yeah. Hobby costs you money. You have to spend money buying stuff for the hobby. Um, yeah. So so I, I I we're about to wrap up soon. I want to ask you two more questions. And one of them is um, 
I, I take I take it that you 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 are a deep thinker and then you read a lot. You and and especially when you work with a lot of different people, they have different business, different speciality. You must learn a lot from their models. So I want to find out from you what is the one thing that you can recall that you change your mind on from a realization in the past. Ooh, I would I would say it's about the ideal client avatar. I resisted for many many years. I said, oh, that works for everybody else, but that doesn't work for me. I don't need to narrow down my niche. I don't need to do that. I can work with anyone because actually I'm really talented and I can work, you know, my skills go across the board and I can help everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I resisted that for way, way, way too long, but I thankfully eventually changed my mind and learned that lesson. Um, yeah. So that would probably be one thing I turned around on and probably the market research thing as well, because obviously I didn't do that before I opened the cafe and um, I learned my lesson, thankfully, changed my mind and realized that was important. And so moving forward, always do it now. Wow. I, I love that, the, the, that you mentioned the, the ideal client. So what was, the, what was the downside? What did it cost you for, for having that mindset that I can work with anyone? What did it cost you? Sleep, well, here's money, the, gray hair, what, what was it? Here's, here's the thing is like, if you say I can work with anyone, you work with no one mm -hmm. because nobody's interested in working with someone who'll work with anyone. Okay. For okay. example, like if I think that I talk about this with my clients. So for example, we'll go back to the dentistry thing again. One of my most successful clients is a business coach for dentists, right? Now there are probably millions of business coaches around the world, right? Mm -hmm. But if you are a dentist who owns a dental practice, you're running your own business as a dentist, who are you going to go to? A generalist business coach who works with anybody or the business Specialist. coach who works with dentists? Specialist, yeah. Right? Mm. It's just a no-brainer. It's mm. just a no-brainer. Now, you and it's counterintuitive because I think, you know, most people go into this scarcity and fear of saying, oh, but if I, I'm a business coach, I can work with anyone, any business owner, I can work with any of them, mm. right? And they think, but if I narrow it down to this little niche, I'm going to cut off all of these other people. It's like, mm. yeah, but you're going to have, you know, potentially a hundred percent of this market. So I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I'm, I'm so glad I've seen this happen over and over again. And uh, I must say for me personally, it was a, it was a process. It was a process mm. to every year, you niche and niche and niche and niche, trying to find the leverage and loving it because at different stages of your life, there's different leverage and loving it. So I don't know. I mean, for you, it might be a bit, a bit uh, far too, far too rewind. I'm talking about different stages of life. For example, uh, getting married. For example, uh, becoming a, in your case, becoming a wife, becoming a first-time mom. That leverage and loving it, leverage and loving it, changes at different stages. My leverage, yeah, for example, absolutely. your leverage and loving it now might change when your kids are 20 and out of the house. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a forever, it's a forever progressive thing. So I love that, yes. that, 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 that line that you said, leverage and loving it. So I'm saying it outright. I'm stealing it because I'm, I'm, that's what, uh, man, I should have trademarked that bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, the, the last question I, I, I want to ask you is, um, if you can go back in time and, uh, tell that 20 odd year old, the one that the day that she closed down the vegan bar, the way the, the the day that she thought that this is it, what would you tell that twenty odd year old Renee? 
I'd probably say everything's going to be okay. You marry an awesome guy. You have the two best kids in the world and you have a business that you love. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. I love it. I love it. Renee, um, thank you so much for your time. And uh, if the listeners out there think like, wow, what, what Renee is doing is really amazing. I can really uh, use the help of, of her company and her team. Where is the best place to get hold of Renee? Uh, just head over to the website at thinkrapt, thinkrapt.com. Awesome. Renee, thank you again for your time. Thanks, Charles. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great fun. If you would like to connect with Charles, get in touch with him on LinkedIn, Charles Schwinn, or follow him on Instagram, Flying Kite Today. Till next time.